Thanks for checking out the Bridge Podcast. It's not a mistake you found us. We pray God speaks to you today. Check us out Sundays at 10.30 a.m. For more information, go to sfbridge.org. Guys, how's everyone doing this morning? We're doing good? Yeah, come on. Well, hey, my name is Riley. I'm the youth pastor here. And this morning at the Bridge, we are going to do something a little bit different. It is the final Sunday of 2023. Some people are like, praise the Lord. Some people are like, oh, this is the best year ever. But, hey, we're going to do things a little different. We are going to kind of flip our service this morning, which means we're going to end with some worship. And this can be a cool way to, to kind of end our last time together. But as I always do when I'm, when I'm up here, I'm going to tell some jokes. No, I'm kidding. I... I just have one quick announcement for us, and it is this. If you are new with us, there's a, a blue Connect card in the seat in front of you. If you want to grab that, fill that out real quick, and on your way out, you can drop that off in the black baskets by the doors when you leave. And if you are new, in two weeks, on January 14th, we have something called our intro lunch. This is for anyone who has started to call the bridge home in the last few months and if you want to find out more about who we are as a church, get to know us as a staff a little bit more, this is the perfect opportunity for you to do that. January 14th, after second service, we will be providing lunch. You'll just get to meet us, get to know who we are as a church a little bit more. So I would encourage you, come to that. It's going to be super fun just to, to get to know each other a little bit better. And this morning, as before Derek comes up here, I, I just want to say thank you to you guys for being such a faithful church, right? Even this morning as roads are a little bit icy and the weather's not great, like we still have a packed house here. And you guys are so thankful or so faithful. And I just want to thank you for that. And another thing you guys are so faithful with is, is your giving. And we get to do super cool things and, and reach people in our community, but also around the world because you guys are faithful with your money. And this morning, if you want to continue that, you can give online, you can give, in the black offering baskets, but join me in a quick word of prayer as we jump into it this morning. God, we thank you so much for who you are. God, we, we're so thankful that we get to end this year in your presence, God, with our church family. And this morning, God, we, we just ask that you continue to do some amazing things through this church and, and through just the faithfulness of, of the believers here in St. Francis. And God, this morning, we want to hear from you. In your name, amen. Amen, amen. Do you want, do you want to take the kids or do you want me to? <laughs> I, I, I was really, who else in here was like actually really looking forward to Riley's jokes? Like when he said he was going to crack some jokes, I was like, oh, let's go. See, Riley, we had, there was a bunch of hands that just went up. Uh, you might have to consider that for announcements going forward. So that'll be good. Happy New Year to everybody in the room. We're all a little tired. We, I can acknowledge that. It's, uh, it, it was a little like, oh, man, I just set an alarm today, which was like, oh, man, this, 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 is, this is new. But uh, how cool is it that I get to spend the last day of the year with, with some of my favorite people? Uh, I am really, really excited for that. By a show of hands, I know I'm getting you guys in, encouraged and engaged this morning right away. But by a show of hands, anybody have a New Year's resolution this year? Sweet. Sweet. 
Statistically, that lines up. Because here, here's, I'm, gonna, I'm a stats guy, okay? I'm, I'm a guy who's like, I love to research random stuff. I get some kind of sick enjoyment out of it. I'm not sure why. Uh, but I want to share some stats with you about New Year's resolutions because um, these stats actually encourage me. Sometimes stats are depressing, aren't they? These stats are encouraging. Because here are these stats. In 2023, this, this, uh, about a month ago, this company did a study about looking back on 2023. And they asked, who made resolutions? What resolutions did you make? Did you stick with them? All that kind of stuff. Here's what they found. 87% of people that they polled in 2023 had a New Year's resolution. This next part is the encouraging part to me. In February, only 22% had stuck with them. Does that encourage anybody else in the place? Nobody. It can encourage me because let me tell you one thing. I failed on my news resolution about a month in, maybe even less than. And so I was encouraged by the fact that, okay, it's not, it's not uncommon that other people are going through that same thing. Okay? Other cool things. In 2024 now. So, again, Forbes, a different study, did a study for 2024. And they asked, who in 2024 is making resolutions What'd you make all those different things? Here's what they found. There was an equal emphasis on mental and physical health in 2024, which was awesome. Because a lot of times you hear about like, I want to eat better. I want to exercise more. I don't want to eat 20 McNuggets every other Tuesday, okay? We have all these different things that we roll through, but mental health was one that was up this year. But here's what was interesting is 64% of people that they polled felt pressured into making a resolution. Like, they felt the pressure to have to do that. And I thought that was interesting because I think that we're getting to a spot now, everybody, where it feels like, yes, I, I, I screwed up. Kids, you can, you can go now. Rather than I had this awkward handoff, and here we go. Rather, we're, we're both in the boat today. It's, it's you know what? I'm going I'm to decide this right now. Riley, you and I are deciding this right now. New Year's resolution. We will not miss kids in all of 2024. There's only 52 chances for us to screw it up. So we got this, all right? Here's, in all honesty, it's this time of year that people feel that pressure to do New Year's resolutions because you feel like you need to do better. You want to improve. You want to do all these different things. There's this pressure that comes with it. And I'm going to take the pressure off today because I'll be the first to tell you I don't have a resolution this year. I have some goals I want to see for myself. I have some things I want to do going forward, but they're not a full-on resolution, and here's why. Because sometimes it feels like if you don't perform your resolution, if you don't perform up to what you say you're going to do, there's this failure that comes with it. So instead, I want to do something a little bit different. I want to take our church through this because it's this time of year that we just naturally, as human beings, have a time to reflect. Something about just the turn of the page on the calendar puts every single person in this moment of reflection, right? Like, how am I doing in my job? How am I doing in my family? How am I doing personally? How am I doing in my health? How am I doing in my mental ability? How am I doing in finances? How am I doing in church? All these different things start to kind of just get downloaded to us. And as a general rule of thumb, I myself am a processor. I am always reflecting, always trying to figure out how can I improve? How can I get sharper? How can I do all these different things? And so while I don't have resolutions for myself personally, I have goals, and I'll explain that difference here maybe a little bit later. There was one thing for the past month that I have been praying over and over and over and over and over and over again 
asking God for something very, very specific. And that thing I was asking for was, God, what do you have for us in 2024? Where is it that you're leading our church? What is it that you want us to do? Is there something we should institute? And I prayed and I prayed and I prayed, and there wasn't always something that just came to my mind. It wasn't like I had that moment where I started writing down a bunch of stuff. Like I prayed, and then there was just like a, I'll try again tomorrow, right? It's one of those kind of things, right? There wasn't that. However, about a week ago, uh, this, 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 Bible verse that I had read back around Thanksgiving time came back, and as I read it, I kind of just felt like God said to me, that is what 2024 is. And so I'm excited to share this verse with you. I'm excited to share the word with you. I know today looks different. I know it's the last day of the year. I know you could have skated here from your house. I know all those different things. So it's going to be a good day today. If you're excited for what God wants to speak to you, will you give me an excited, yeah? Yeah. Let's go. John chapter 1, verse 43, the vision that we have for the Bridge Church in 2024, here it is. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Now, when you read this, this is John chapter 1. It's the beginning of Jesus' ministry. This is very, 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 very early in Jesus' ministry. To the point that at this time when this was taking place, experts believe there's probably only three or four of the 12 disciples that were with him at the time. So this was very, very early. Jesus went and found this man named Philip. Now, if you read, if you're familiar with the Bible, there's there's actually two Philips that you find in Scripture. There's Philip the Apostle, Philip the Disciple here, and there's another man in the Book of Acts known as Philip the Evangelist. They're different people. This particular Philip that we're reading about today, there's not a whole lot in the Gospels about him. He has very few shout-outs except for this one situation. He's referenced throughout the, in the list of the twelve disciples. He's definitely a part of the twelve, but this one instant stands out to me. And I always found it interesting because why of all the gospels, of all the the four books in the Bible that talk about Jesus's life on earth, why is this one talking about Philip specifically? And what I looked at, when I I researched, because I was like, I don't know that answer. Riley does, but I probably don't know that answer. I found this out because it was so, so interesting. While he wasn't explicitly mentioned, experts believe that the reason this was called into account was because of the nature of the interaction. What do I mean by that? Let me, let me take you back, okay? Jesus found Philip and said, follow me. But then look at verse 45. Philip then found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Philip meets Jesus, and runs to find his best buddy. We do this all the time. Whenever you do something awesome or you find something awesome, you jump on your phone, you send a picture of that sweet cannoli from Cassettas in St. Paul saying, you have to try this. It's so good. We do this all the time. He's excited about what God's doing. He's excited about what he found. So he runs off to find his buddy Nathaniel. And what does he say? We found him. We found the one we've read about. Here's the really cool part. 
It says he's from Bethsaida. Bethsaida was like a, like a fishing town of the day. So I went to a school in North Dakota for a year, and that makes me kind of a quasi-North Dakotan for one year. And uh, I found out in North Dakota when I was there, there are so many towns in North Dakota at the time that they called like oil drilling towns. Like the whole town is just a bunch of workers and people who, who are, are drilling for oil, and it's awesome. And there's a lot of people in the area. That's exactly what Bethsaida was about. It was all fishermen. But what makes this extra exceptional is a lot of fishermen were not educated. They were not orally read. What I mean by that is wherever you work, whatever you do now, there's access to a Bible. There's access to scripture if you want it. Back then, that wasn't the case. So for someone to be a fisherman and well-versed in scripture, well-versed in prophecies, a lot of times they didn't go hand in hand. Yet this man, Philip, he knew. He knew the Bible well. He knew the scripture well. It's why when he met Jesus, he knew exactly who he was because he had read about him a lot up until that point, the prophecies of his coming and what that meant. So when he met him, he was like, oh my goodness, it's actually him. And he runs to find his buddy, Nathaniel. How did Nathaniel take it? Verse 46, was he excited? No. Verse 46, Nazareth. Can anything good come from there? Nathaniel asked. Just picture this. Philip's all excited. Dude, dude, we found him. We finally found him. Really? Where is he? He's from Nazareth. Nazareth? Can anything good come from Nazareth? You must have it wrong because that's, no, no, you, you got the phony. That's, that's the fake one. You ever had that where you're so excited and you go to somebody and they're like, no, thanks. You're like, oh, that just hurts my heart a little bit. That's exactly what's happening here. Is he's so excited, he runs there, but he's met with doubt and skepticism and all these different things. So you have two people in play here, and we're going to talk about them both today. You have Philip who ran to his buddy, and you have Nathaniel who kind of was the doubter. But before I move on, I thought it was so important for us to understand that I think the people in this room, a lot of us, we are the Phillips of this story. You're coming. You're learning about God. You're coming to church. You're excited to be here. You're learning. You're growing. All these cool things are happening, and you're excited about it. And that's what I see in this place. How do I see that? Like I said, we're reflecting about a cool year. And so I want to celebrate what God's done in this place over the last year because a lot of cool things have happened. One of which is in 2023, 28 people decided to get water baptized for the first time or rededicated. That means 28 people are saying, you know what? I don't want to just have a faith that's on the sidelines. I don't want to just believe for myself. I want to make a public statement that I believe, that I believe in Jesus, and I'm going to do this with water baptism. And for 28 people to make that decision in a church of our size is unheard of. But it's a testament to the fact that God is moving in this 
place. He's, this is a place where God's speaking to people and challenging their hearts. We've started some new small groups ranging from everything as wide and broad as women's, men, women's ministry and men's ministry to things that are specific like recovery ministry and marriage ministry. And some cool things are, is that these groups are, 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 are doing well. The women's ministry alone had over 20-some people in their Bible study, some of which picked up the Bible for the very first time. Some who are like, you know what, I want to actually dig into this thing. I want to get ready for it. It's so cool to celebrate those things. One that I've been thanking God for a lot over the last few weeks is it was this year, last year at this time, that we had this, this situation of, we might have to go to two services because we can't fit everybody in it. And it terrified me to go to two services because I was so scared that if one service was emptier than the other one, that people would feel uncomfortable. They would feel awkward. But as we stepped into it with faith, God has moved. We've met new people through that. And just a cool thing that I want to celebrate is last year, the bridge averaged about 105 to 110 people average on a Sunday. This year, in 2023, it's been about 158 on average, which is really cool. It's not about, it's not like saying, oh, cool, we're growing. But what that tells me is that people are hearing about Jesus and they're growing. And they're experiencing this awesome thing that Philip had in here. And I share that because some of you guys typically go to first service and you're like, man, it kind of feels empty in here. But then the second service is packed and Riley starts cracking his jokes and we start to expand even more. Right? But the church is growing. People are hearing about Jesus and they are excited. And I don't say those things to pat ourselves on the back and to go, oh, cool, we're such a great church. I say that because there are Phillips in this room who are sitting here going, I am excited about my faith. I'm excited about what's happening. I look forward to coming to church on Sunday because that means I'm going to see these people that I love. That means I'm going to like hear something that challenges me. I'm excited to go to church because I feel closer to Jesus when I'm in that place. And I connect with him on a deeper level. And that's what the church is meant to be. It's meant to be a place where we encounter God and it changes us and we change our world just like Philip did. Because Philip encountered Jesus in the flesh. Jesus went and sought him out. And then he went to find his buddy, Nathaniel. Now his buddy, Nathaniel, as he was found, he, he was sits there and goes, Nazareth, pff, nothing good can come from Nazareth. But the more I looked at this, the more I was like, God, why is this our verse going into 2024? The more I realized this is so good because I believe there are people in our families, people in our homes, people that we work with, employees, employers, coworkers, people that we're on teams with, people in our community, in our neighborhood. There are people that I believe are very much like Nathaniel. They want Jesus, even though if they don't, if they, even if they don't say it out loud, they want what Jesus has to offer. Peace, freedom, forgiveness, renewal. They want to feel that joy and that purpose and that hope, and they look for it in all other ways. But when they hear about Jesus, or they hear about church, or they hear about religion, it's much like Nathaniel going, church, what good can come from that place? Religion. What could come from that place? Jesus, sure. There are Nathaniels among us. And what happens is 
When we're excited about something, when we're all excited for what God's doing in our hearts, we can't wait to share it. We can't wait to jump into it. And when we feel that Nathaniel of, at best, we feel discouraged. At best. We're like, oh, man, like, I hear I was excited. I thought you'd be excited, but you're not. So that stinks. That's the best case scenario. The worst case scenario is it creates this ostracized feeling where now you feel like you're on an island alone. And what happens is it kind of feels like us versus them. I'm going to go and do my thing. They're going to do their own thing. And then all of a sudden there becomes this wedge between us and the people that don't believe yet. And it can feel difficult. It can feel challenging. But here is where rubber meets the road. If I were to say, this is what I believe God has for us in our community, in our church, in this year, this is what it would be in verse 46 of John chapter 1. After all this is going on, and Nathaniel says, Nazareth, what good can come from that place? Look what Philip says. Come and see, said Philip. Come and see. He didn't sit there and argue with him. He didn't tell him he was wrong. He didn't tell him this is what you got to do. Dude, get over yourself and just believe. He didn't do any of that. All he said was, come and see. Come and see for yourself. You don't believe me? Fine. But at least come with me and check it out for yourself. Because how many of you know, friends of yours, family members of yours, They won't do something, but if you're in it, then they'll do it. You ever have that ride or die where it's like, I'm never jumping out of an airplane. (laughs) I'm doing it. You're coming with me. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. Okay, I'm in. Right? We have those ride or die friends that we're like, I'm in this thing with you. This is exactly what's happening. Nathaniel and Philip are tight. They're friends. So even though Nathaniel doesn't believe yet, he knows his buddy Philip, and he knows he's in. As I prayed about this, I really kind of, I've, I've wondered, why is it that Jesus sought out Philip? Because like Andrew, Simon, they all came to Jesus. Why did Jesus go to Philip? And I had to wonder, was it because he knew to get to Nathaniel, Philip would be instrumental? That Jesus surely could have met him a different way, but he knew for Philip to bring him would be a different story. Because look how the situation unfolds. Philip says, come and see. And then verse 47 says this. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me, Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Let me play this out because, again, sometimes visual people in the room, it's tough to see. Nathanael goes to Philip. All right, fine. All right, let's go. As they're walking back towards Jesus, Jesus sees Nathanael approaching. They're not there yet. They're not standing in front of each other. He sees him. What's the, what's the text say? Approaching. And he said of him, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. 
This wasn't like a formal gathering. Like if someone's gonna come and meet me, they bring up their friend, we shake hands. Hey, what's your name? Jim, nice to meet you, Jim. My name is Derek, and we have this interaction. That's not what this is. Jesus sees Nathaniel approaching, and while he's not yet there, he goes, ah, now here's an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. And Nathaniel's sitting here going, we've never met. How do you know me? That's what he says here in verse 48. How do you know me? And here's the kicker. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. I saw you. I know you. I know exactly who you are. I know where you've been. I know you. And that is when Nathaniel's like, oh boy, it's really him. It's actually him. And what's so cool about this scenario, what's so cool about this story is experts believe, scholars who are way smarter than I have that have studied way more than this, they kind of believe that from different context clues, Nathaniel was one of those kind of pessimistic self-doubters. Anybody know one of those? People that like, they get the 99 on a test and they're really mad because they got one wrong. That's Nathaniel. Nathaniel is very pessimistic he's very hard on himself so jesus meets him with a compliment ah here is an israelite in whom there is no deceit he knows him he knows him so so unique but the icing on the cake is i saw you while you under the fig tree I searched and searched and searched and searched. I was like, is there any mention of this fig tree? No. There's no scenario written in scripture where Nathaniel is underneath a tree. So again, I defer to people who study this a lot more. And I looked at a few different things. And one of two things is what Jesus was referring to. Either he physically saw him under a tree at one point. Or to be under the tree was a metaphor for saying, studying. When we say, I'm putting my nose to the grindstone, I really hope you guys aren't actually putting your nose to a grindstone. If you are, we should talk. But it means you're working hard. To be under the tree means you're studying the law. You're studying scripture. You're studying what God is speaking and spoken. So either way, when Jesus says, I saw you, while you were under the tree, whether he was sitting below an actual tree or whether he was studying the scripture, either way, Nathaniel would have known. No one else would have known I was under that tree unless it was God himself who knew me. And that, it was that moment where Philip, go, or I'm sorry, Nathaniel goes, ah, I do believe. Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. There's a reason I think God has this verse for us in 2024. Because in this story, you do have two men. But here's the cool thing. Jesus knows them both. He knows Philip as well as he knows Nathaniel. Two men that are unique. Two men that have different personalities, different demeanors, different shortcomings. But either way, Jesus seeks them out. It might look different. It might be more unique in either circumstance. But either way, Jesus was knocking on the door of their heart. And they opened the door. And they changed him from the inside out. They would go on to become his apostles. They would go on to be profound leaders in the church. All these different things that come up. 
You have two men that are very different, but they all kind of unite under the same thing. Jesus. Jesus made them feel like they were welcomed, that they belonged. They said, hey, come follow me. As they followed him, and they watched him, and they observed him, and they saw what he did, and the miraculous things they did, they believed. And after Jesus dies and rises into heaven, they become the men he always saw them, knew they would be. If you're familiar with the bridge, there were three words in there. Belong, believe, become. Those are our values. That's, our, that's the things that we, we stand belong. Belong, believe, become the same way that they did in this story. And here's the cool part. There are so many Phillips in this room. How do I know that? Because eight days ago, we had our Christmas Eve Eve service in here. Can I tell you that it was the largest weekend service the Bridge Church has ever had, ever. It was full in both services. Why? Because you guys brought people with you. Family members, coworkers, kids, grandkids, grandparents, spouses, siblings. You brought people with you because you have had an experience where God has changed you and you want them to have that same experience. You have the heart of Philip that says, if you don't believe me, that's fine, but come and see. Come and see. I'm I'm not a fake. I'm not a hypocrite. I have my issues. I got my stuff. But God's done something in me, and I want you to have that same experience. Come and see. I can't think of a better 2024 than that phrase right there. Come and see. Come and see what God's done in me, and come and see what he might do for you. Because there's a lot of Nathaniels that are still searching. A lot of Nathaniels that are battling right now. They're battling the grip of an addiction. They're battling the weight of their loss. They are battling this feeling of purpose, feeling like what they do doesn't matter. And that their purpose on this, on this earth feels insignificant. There are Nathaniels that have been so hurt by people, so hurt by the church even, that they're like, you know what? I'm not touching anything associated with it. What they don't know is what they're so desperately seeking of peace, hope, joy, freedom, all these different things. It's with Jesus. But I think there's a lot of Nathaniels that are going, what good can come from that? What good can come from that? They need that proof that you are who you say you are. You are real. You do see me. You do know me. And now I believe. See, where your story may divert from this story is, I think sometimes we can be both Phillips and Nathaniels in the sense of, you might be like, yeah, I'm cool with the come and see part, but I also very much empathize with the self-critical one. Where I feel like, I don't, I'm not doing enough for you, God. I want to do more. I, 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 I got I to figure this out. I got I to do all these different things. And legalism can set in and all these different things. And I think at this time of the year, if you're in this place, there's a chance that you're in one of two boats. 
The first boat is feeling content with life and being like, ah, yes, like things are great. So content. It was a great year. Looking forward to a new one. Life is awesome. Or you're in the boat that's going, I got to get my life together. I, 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 I got to sharpen up in 2024. I got to do this. I got to stop this. I got to get this under control. And whichever boat you're in, can I tell you, whether you're in this boat or this boat or somewhere in between, the response is the same. If you want to continue to feel grateful and content and excited for the future, we have to be anchored in who Jesus is. But let me tell you something. If you are trying to earn God's love by being better, you're going to get frustrated. Because you can't earn love that's been given. He paid for it on the cross. So our job is not to perform better for Jesus. It's to be more with Jesus. Peek behind the curtain, all right? I'm, I'm surprised my wife didn't laugh because you want to talk about a self-critical person? Hi, that's me. I am the person that is, if I get 99 out of 100, I am ticked off because I knew I was between B and D on that last one. And I knew I should have put B, but I erased and I put D. Dang it. And everyone else is like, dude, you got 99. It's like, I know, but I could have had 100. That's me. That is me. And as much as I laugh about it, the reality is sometimes that trickles over into my faith life as well. God, I got to spend more time with you. I got to pray more. I got to do more of this. I got to fast more. I got to do all these different things. And these things of performance trickle into my life. And even though I say it with my mouth and my heart, I don't believe that I'm not trying to earn love that's already been given. If you have these resolutions, I encourage you, do them. They're amazing. But as I go into this year, in 2024, my goals are far less about I got to do more and far more about I just need to be more. I need to be more present. I need to be more okay with just letting God have every part of me, not just the polished parts. I got to let God into every single part of my life even the parts I am ashamed about. Whether you're a Philip or a Nathaniel, the response is come and see. If you want to see people in our community, if you want to see people move and change, it's got to be come and see. But the kicker with all of that is, is in order to come and see and say that, we have to go first. We have to be seeking God for ourselves. And we have to be going after what it is that he has for us. So as we go into 2024, we close the chapter on 2023. Here's what I'm encouraging you to do practically. In just a second here, I told you, that, or Riley said, told you that the story's going to look a little different. We're going to do a song of worship at the end. We're going to do some communion at the end here. But this is a time of reflection. Look back on the last year, all of it. There might have been some really great things. There might have been some really difficult things. But either way, I believe there is something to look back on with gratitude, even if it's difficult. 
Because some of the hardest things that we walk through in life are some of the greatest opportunities we have to grow. There's got to be something that you can look back on and grow. But as we go into 2024, I'm asking God for more. I believe he's not done yet. I believe there are people in our town, in my neighborhood, in your workplace, that in 2024 are going to step foot into this place with all the stuff they got going on. And they're going to encounter a real living God that sees them, that knows them better than they know themselves. And he's going to speak right to them. God's going to change them. Not just like poof, all of a sudden they're different people, but there's going to be an internal change that inspires an outward appearance that is different. They're going to act different. They're going to say things different. They're going to think different because inside they're different because they encountered a living God. And how's that going to happen? John 1, 46. Come and see. Don't believe me. Don't take my word for it. Come and see for yourself. Come to church with me. I promise you the pastor is not that weird. Come and see. Come and see for yourself. If you don't like it, that's fine. But come and see. So what's our role? What's your role? What's, what's, your, what's my role? We got to be close with him. We got to be in tune with him. How are we going to do that? In 2024, starting next Sunday, uh, we're jumping into a sermon series about prayer. How to pray. Why to pray. What to pray. Because prayer changes things. Prayer changes circumstances. Prayer changes us from the inside out. We have small groups geared up in this, not long from now, all geared towards growing your knowledge of scripture. I know so many people, even in this room, you're like, you know what? I want to know scripture better. I just don't know how to read it. Or I want to go deeper. There are groups coming where we can grow deeper in our faith. There's going to be more groups coming. There's going to be more events happening. All geared not to put on church, but for us to grow with him. Because the stronger this connection is, the stronger this connection is with everybody around us. In order for us to say, come and see, we got to be seeing for ourselves. And I'm going to take us through how that can happen. It's going to be fun. 2023 is a lot to celebrate. And we are celebrating. We're going to continue to celebrate it. Ephesians 3.20 says, God can do greater than all we ask or imagine. Which means he can do more than even I want to see him do in 2024. And we're believing for that. So how do we close this year? How do we we put a bow on all of this? Two things. We give thanks for what's happened in the past. We pray for where we're going in the future. Together, right now. But today it looks differently. So I'm going to invite the team up on, on, on stage with me here. I want to read this to you. Philippians chapter 4. Perhaps the most common and popular in all of Philippians. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. The very common verse. When you're anxious, pray, seek God. That's great. 
we're going to do this. There's two words, and uh, just kind of get hopped over. If you're anxious about anything, in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. We got to be thankful for all that 2023 has brought, good and bad. I encourage you today as you go on, as you make some appetizers, you get ready for whatever you're going to do the rest of the day, take a moment and just thank the Lord for what 2023 has brought, as big or small as it is. Because it's incredible how being grateful and thankful changes your perspective always. And sometimes the very thing that we're seeking is peace and non-anxiousness comes through giving thanks. Thanks, God, for surrounding me with people. Thanks, God, for being there for me in my lowest moment. Thanks, God, for my kids. Thanks, God, for my job. Thanks for the provision. There's always something to be thankful for, even in the most horrific circumstances. Give thanks. You'll be amazed how much peace it can bring you. But second is prayer. What do you want to see God do in you this year? What do you want to see? Because the question I'm going to bring up here in a few weeks is if you knew the answer was yes, what would you pray for? If you knew that your prayer would be answered, what would you pray for? Because sometimes I think what hinders us with prayer is feeling it's not going to get answered. What is it that you need from God? And sincerely ask. I'm not promising he's going to say yes. I'm not promising it's going to be exactly how you want. But I am promising when we seek God in prayer, he meets us. So, thanksgiving and prayer. And we're going to do it right now. So here's what we're going to do. If you're comfortable with it, you do not have to do this. We're going to take communion as a church together. So in front of you in the chairs, there's these little communion elements. If you're on the front row, there's little bowls on the front row. Again, you don't have to do this. You're no more or less spiritual if you do it. This is just, communion is symbolic of what Jesus did. So I'm going to have you peel it open. I'm going to lead us in communion to end the year. If you're new to these, there's a top little piece of cellophane that's incredibly difficult and makes me want to scream. And the second one that opens the juice. Let everyone kind of get it open here. Why do we take communion? I grew up in a traditional sense. You took communion every single Sunday. Didn't get why. Wasn't sure why we did it. But communion is meant to be symbolic. It's meant to be symbolic of what Jesus did for us. It says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until it comes. When they would get together and have a meal together, like some of you might do tonight for New Year's Eve, they took that moment to remember what Jesus did. It took a moment to say, you know what? I know I got this going on right now, but I'm just going to take a moment and just remember. 
Remember when Jesus did that? Remember when he healed that guy? Remember when he did this? There's power in remembering how God's been faithful to you in the past. When I look back on 2023, there's been so many situations where I'm praying for something and God answers it months later, but he does. When we take this, it's a remembrance of what Jesus did for us in this year and beyond. Here's what we're going to do. There's two elements here. You have the bread or the wafer. It's very moist. Then you have the juice. So what we're going to do is I'm going to lead us. And after that, we're going to jump into a song of worship. So as we're done with this, I walk out and say, if you could stand up with me, we're going to worship just a little bit here. But take the song of worship, take this moment of communion to just reflect and remember how God's been faithful to you. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's drink the juice together. remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's eat the bread together. You don't have to prove a thing. He's already approved of you. As we go into a new year, Let's look forward to what God has for us, but let's not go into it trying to seek his approval when he's already given it to us. You're loved. You're awesome. You're incredible. God has plans for you in the same way he had plans for Philip and Nathaniel. As I pray today and get you out of here, I'm going to pray that you'd feel that. So Heavenly Father, I thank you for this place today. Jesus, I thank you for all the cool things we can point to to celebrate and 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 talk about the winds and all those great things, but God, more than any other thing, I thank you, Jesus, that you love us, that you died on the cross so that we could be close to you. I thank you, God, more than anything else that your word says, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. God, you will never, ever leave us. In the highest of highs, in the lowest of lows, Jesus, you will forever be with us, and I thank you for that. I pray that as we go into this new year, as we flip the page and go to something new, I pray, God, that you would lead us. We would follow you. We would trust you. We would step into whatever it is that you have for us. I pray that you would arm the people in this room with strength. I pray you would arm them with peace, with your presence. Jesus, I just pray that you would be realized and real in this place today. And as we step out of this place, we don't step out defeated. But we step into a new year excited for what you're going to do, not just in us, but in those around us. As we say, come and see what the Lord will do. Jesus, we give you this church. We give you this place. We give you our lives. We love you and we worship you. Everybody in the room said, amen. Can we put our hands together for the Lord this morning? This has been a podcast of the Bridge Church. Have a great week. Stop in Sunday sometime and visit. If you would like to give, you can do so online at sfbridge.org. Have a great week.